couple of weeks ago I was going through my Twitter feed, it's where I get most of my news, be able to, to read the headlines. Anyway, there was this article that came across by the National Catholic Register titled, The Most Expensive Meal You'll Ever Eat. I clicked on it and I, I glanced through it quickly. The point that they were making is that the most expensive meal that we will ever eat is, of course, at Mass. It's receiving Holy Communion. The, the price that was paid for this meal, the price that was paid so that Jesus might be able to give us his body and blood. Today is the, the last of my seven-part series in the sacraments. Today I'll be talking about Holy Communion. I'll, be, uh, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about what it is, and then lastly I'll talk about being properly disposed as well as how to receive Holy Communion. The Catechism states that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian faith. It's the source where we get our faith. Jesus is the source. And the Eucharist is the summit. It's where our faith brings us. Our faith brings us to Christ. At Mass, immediately after the consecration, right after the bread and the wine has been changed into the body and blood of Christ, the priest will say these words, the mystery of faith, or he will chant the words. It's because the greatest mystery that we have on this earth is, is this, it's Mass, it's, it's the Holy Eucharist. It's rather strange that, that God would give us himself in this manner, and yet he does. When one receives Holy Communion, if one receives just a particle of the host, or one receives just a, a drop of the precious blood, one receives Jesus completely, entirely, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Just by receiving a small amount. Because we're, Jesus no longer can be separated, so whatever we receive of him, we receive him completely. One may receive Holy Communion twice in a day, so long as the second time is in the context of a Mass. Now I want to speak about being properly disposed. To receive Holy Communion, one must have fasted from all food and drink for at least one hour. I'm sure some of you who are older remember it was from midnight on. And you couldn't drink water either. Those who have done that, I think, are heroes. <laughs> but you remember that, and then it was changed to three hours and then at some point it was changed to, to one hour. It's what the church teaches now. But we are to fast from all food and drink for at least one hour. There's two things that are allowed. Water is allowed to be drunk, and one may take medicine. Coffee's not in the list, neither is gum, and neither are other things. So, you all know what I'm talking about. I don't need to say anything more there. One, of course, must be in the state of grace in order to receive Holy Communion, meaning that if one is aware of any mortal sins, one must not come to Holy Communion. If one does, it's, it's similar, the closest thing I can think of is what Judas does to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. How Judas comes to Jesus, kisses him on the cheek, something that is, is a sign of affection, but Judas does it to betray Jesus. 
If someone receives Holy Communion knowing that there's a mortal sin on one's heart, and then you know one walks down the aisle, one commits another mortal sin, a sacrilege. One's doing like what Judas does in the Garden of Gethsemane. One, of course, ought to prepare one's heart to receive Jesus. Last Sunday I talked about, he said, imagine that Dickinson is heaven, even though Dickinson is not heaven. Imagine that the road to Dickinson, Highway 22, is, is the way to heaven, meaning Jesus Christ. And the sacraments are the vehicle that drive us there. But we all know that the vehicle can't drive if it doesn't have any fuel. What fuels the vehicle is faith. What fuels the sacraments which bring us to heaven, it's one needs faith. Therefore, one ought to prepare one's heart to receive Holy Communion and all the sacraments for that matter. Now the, the methods in which one receives Holy Communion. Presently, there are two. There is receiving communion on the tongue, and there is receiving communion in the hand. In the Eastern Catholic churches, rather quickly, it was only allowed to receive on the tongue. One was only allowed to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. But in the West, in the Latin church, which is what most of us are, communion in the hand was allowed more or less up until the 5th century. And then because of different abuses that would take place, people running off with the Blessed Sacrament, it was then abrogated and one could only receive Holy Communion on the tongue. That was the case all the way up until, in our, in our diocese, in the Diocese of the United States, up to 1973. In 1973, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops petitioned Rome to allow communion in the hand within our dioceses. It was, it was granted. So today in the Diocese of Bismarck, we're allowed to receive communion in two ways, on the tongue or in the hand. If I, as I mentioned in my bulletin article, if you've read it already, a lot of us young priests prefer communion on the tongue for the reason that it, it prevents the host from dropping to the floor more easily. It prevents particles from ending up on the floor. And most of all, it prevents someone from walking out of church with the Blessed Sacrament. But the church allows both, so both, both methods one can, re, one can receive the Holy Eucharist under both kinds at this point. If one receives, actually before I get to this point, so as one walks down the aisle, if one does not genuflect or kneel, one is to make a profound bow. Not, not a head bow, but a profound bow at the waist. When one approaches then the minister of Holy Communion, whether it be the priest, the deacon, or an extraordinary minister, one will hear the phrase, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. It's a statement about what's there. If one, when one receives from the chalice, one hears the blood of Christ. The one receiving Holy Communion then responds with Amen. It's a Hebrew word which means, I believe what was just said. I believe that's true. I give my heart to what has just been said. The body of Christ, Amen.
If one receives in the tongue, I'm just going to be practical here, guys. I'm just going to say everything, okay? You can laugh if you want. So if one receives in the tongue, one should tilt one's head back, open one's mouth, and put one's tongue out as far as the bottom lip. Like this. Not further out, not, not keeping your tongue in, but as far as the bottom lip. It's, it's rather simple. You guys can go home and look in the mirror and do this all if you want. <laughs> Once one has opened one's mouth and, and um, put out one's tongue, one must not then grab for the host. I've seen that. One keeps one's head in the place one keeps one's head still. If one receives in the hand, again, one must make the profound bow. And one's, one hand is to be placed on top of the other. If one is right-handed, one will put one's left hand on top. If one is left-handed, one puts one's right hand on top. Like a throne for Jesus, one does not put one's hands side by side. One does not put one's hand out, or one hand out, like you're going to give the priest a sideways handshake. One doesn't grab for the host. One simply places one's hands like this, one hand on top of the other. Flat, not sideways. One should have clean hands, remembering that it's Jesus Christ who is being laid upon one's hands. One should have clean hands. If one does not have clean hands because of whatever one was doing, just simply receive on the tongue. And of course, if one receives communion in the hand, one is to immediately consume the Blessed Sacrament. In Williston, I would see this about once a month. I would see someone receive the Eucharist and then walk off not receiving it. In Williston, it's a very non-Catholic area. St. Joseph's Parish and Wilson being the only Catholic church, we'd have a lot of non-Catholics coming. And we would see this. One person at the end of Mass had the Holy Eucharist in his pocket. If you see someone not consume the Blessed Sacrament, immediately tell the priest or the deacon or the extraordinary minister, or if you feel comfortable yourself, just simply ask them if they're Catholic. If they're Catholic, ask them to consume the Blessed Sacrament. If they're not just simply ask for the Blessed Sacrament and bring it to the priest or the deacon. After one has received Holy Communion, one then, of course, should have a short time of thanksgiving or a long time of thanksgiving, thanking Jesus for coming to a person. I think it happens here to some degree. I know it does in Halliday and, and in Twin Buttes. It's been a very ancient tradition that right after Mass, that everyone kneels down for a time in Thanksgiving. It's something that's it's a good practice. It's not required. We're all required, of course, to thank Jesus for coming to us in Holy Communion, which we can do immediately after Holy Communion. But it's, it's a good time to just spend some time with Jesus, to bring one's heart to Jesus, and tell him what's going on in one's heart. So I want to encourage that if, if you can. 
I know it's also a common practice here that after Mass, people will visit in church. Um, if, if there's someone that's praying nearby, if just simply talk quietly or, or go out to, to the gathering area to, to talk. Let's all pray for the grace to receive Jesus worthily in Holy Communion.